And we're joined now by Carlos Rosaria. He was at the club and witnessed the shooting. Carlos, are you there? Look at that, they're shooting back and forth. Look at this. They knew what was going on until they saw people on the ground bleeding and heard people screaming and, and heard the commotion because you didn't know when you're in a bar. A shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida has shocked and saddened people the world over. 49 people were killed and more wounded. Details about the motivation of the gunman, Omar Martin, are still emerging. Although it's still early in the investigation, we know enough to say that this was an act of terror and an act of hate. On this episode of Business Briefing, I speak with Michael Jeddah. He's a political economist who's been studying the way the media reports terrorism. Michael is in Germany at the moment, and he's been watching the coverage of the Orlando shooting. I think we just need to be very aware of how we should cover terrorism and what exactly terrorists want. Want, and that is exactly more coverage and more framing in the sense of us versus them and more framing in the sense of Muslims versus uh, the West. So I think it's something, and um, having followed this for quite some time now, I think we need to have a very uh, sensible discussion about how we should cover terrorism. And we have done this in, in several other fields of the media, right? So, for example, when, when you guys talk about uh, suicides, you never ever mention the word usually suicide and you are very aware of you don't want to encourage uh, potential copycats you don't want to encourage uh, other troubled uh, people to potentially commit suicide so you're very aware of uh, the effects that um, the wrong coverage of a suicide might have and i think something like that is uh, a discussion like that we should have about terrorism because terrorists receive a lot of free advertisement after major attacks like this they receive 24 7 coverage their goals are repeated over and over. So I think they reach exactly what they want if we respond in that way. And that is, uh, there's a lot of fear in society. People are afraid of these things and they're afraid to a very irrational degree. Um, and it also facilitates the recruitment of potential followers of such groups, right? So, um, and we need to weigh these things against, uh, of course, a strong commitment to press freedom, to freedom of the media. But I think we need to find a way to cover this in a so it doesn't play right into the hands of terrorist organizations. Michael is also researching the socioeconomic environment which breeds terrorism. He stresses that the research is still in its early stages, and I asked him what he's found so far. So first of all, I think it's very important to distinguish between two different types of terrorism. One is uh, domestic terrorism, which applies to, for example, ETA in Spain, uh, the IRA in Ireland, the FARC in Colombia. They are purely oriented in a domestic national way. And that is actually the vast majority of terrorism we see worldwide is domestic terrorism. The most recent occurrence of ISIS and the Taliban and Al-Qaeda is international terrorism, which is very different from domestic terrorism because their goals, they, they vary, they're different from domestic terrorists, and they are especially uh, looking for, for media coverage, for example. In terms of the economic determinants and the political determinants of both of these types of terrorism, domestic and international, they can vary as well. So, for example, international terrorism seems to be the case that this occurs more and more if a country has been occupied by a foreign power for a long time, if civil liberties and political rights are not well developed. Up to this point, what we have found as researchers is that mostly political determinants are at play for international terrorism. What is surprisingly not at work is poverty, and that is something, especially after 9-11 in 2001. What, what we thought was, well, these are just very poor individuals, uh, a group of poor individuals, 
that are just um, trying to get back at the rich and so on. And we, we frame this in a way of rich versus poor, and that does not seem to be the case at all. Right? And that's something that's uh, pretty surprising. So I think what we observe is that if we get data and information on the actual terrorists, they usually do not come from poor homes. They usually do not come from badly educated families. They are usually well-educated they are certainly not the richest, usually, and probably Osama bin Laden was an uh, exception there because he was from a very wealthy family. But usually they are right about upper middle class, I'd say. We wouldn't have expected that beforehand. You've talked about the economics of, of individuals involved in terror attacks, but what about the economics, say, for example, of the countries that they're from or where they're living? What we do observe is that we, it's more likely... To, um, to witness terrorism when a country is in a recession, when the economic e- economy is going really badly. We rarely observe it if a country is, country is growing at 5-6% uh, a year, right? Because then the outside opportunities are much larger and if I have no opportunities whatsoever to, to get a career, to make a living for me and my family, then at some point it will be more likely that I will be inclined to listen to such a group. And uh, the other thing I think we, we observe is that political rights and uh, civil liberties, right? So how free am I to move in my country? How much political participation am I allowed to put in? That seems to be highly related to uh, the amount of terrorism we observe. So the less political rights I have, the more likely it is we see some terrorism um, come up. How do attacks like the terror attacks that we've seen over the past few years and what's just recently happened in Orlando, those sort of attacks, how do they feed into economic uncertainty? Uh, They certainly have big consequences. So there were quite a few polls taken recently. In the U.S., I think it's between 44 and 50% of the people of the U.S. population are scared of terrorism, are afraid of becoming a victim of terrorism, or are afraid that a member of their family becomes a victim of terrorism. And That is an incredibly irrational perception because if we look at the actual odds and the probabilities of these things is that the likelihood of you dying uh, from a terrorist attack is about as high as you drowning in your own bathtub tonight. And if I put those odds to you in that way, then it becomes a a lot less probable that terrorism will directly affect you. Now, um, in terms of the economic uncertainty that comes out of this, it is very, very difficult to isolate the actual causal effect. But with surveys like these, we can see that it is in the minds of, of people, and people certainly will make adjustments. They will make travel adjustments, so it certainly will affect tourism, for example. They will also make adjust- adjustments in terms of uh, conducting business. There will be adjustments in terms of public spending on safety issues, right? Because after attacks like these, we'll, we have discussions resurfacing in the U.S. about how can we prevent these things Do we need more security checks? Do we need more background checks? And so on and so on. So the economic costs will then also be uh, incurred in terms of public spending. So overall, we'll have really, really large uh, effects of things like these. Now, to actually to filter those out and get actually to the causal magnitude of this effect, that's very, very difficult because, uh, as you know, many, many things are going on at the same time. But we, we do know, like I said, from surveys like these, that the economic impact will be relatively large and there will be uncertainty coming from this in a number of dimensions. There are, there are estimates in how much the U.S. had to pay for 9-11 and how much they paid in, for example, security costs thereafter. And if you've ever traveled to the U.S., you know that immigration is an absolute hassle and it has to be incredibly expensive. 
Um, so there are estimates on, on these costs, and specifically there has been research done on, on 9-11, how expensive was it actually. And I think some estimates go into the trillions of dollars. So, yeah, it, it is holding us back a lot. Terrorism, especially international terrorism, has uh, incurred huge costs on, on the Western world. Michael Jetta, a political economist from the University of Western Australia. You can find more analysis of the Orlando attack from academics around the world on the Conversations website. I'm Jenny Henderson, Assistant Business and Economy Editor at The Conversation. Our theme music is by Ben Sound, and you can catch more business briefing by subscribing on iTunes.